This is Shuja Rabani, and you are listening to the Pod Your Heart Out podcast. I believe that the right to work in a safe and healthy work environment is everyone's human right. A workplace where there is humanity in human resources and a place where leadership leads by example. Join me in today's conversation if you see yourself as an advocate for that kind of workplace. Every year, Forbes magazine, they release a list of most powerful people. And for today's episode specifically, I wanted to look at the list of 100 most powerful women that they chose in 2020. Now, if you look at the list of any of these lists, basically, in general, you know, most powerful women, most powerful men, whatever it might be, I always wondered what are the factors that they take into consideration when they consider someone powerful and categorize them and plug them into a specific level or a number out of the 100 that they pick on. And this exercise was actually quite interesting because I did come across a video from the Forbes magazine YouTube channel, which um, outlines what are the factors that they take into consideration when they are looking at classifying somebody as a powerful person. So here it goes. Now, they claim that one of the objective items that they look at is money. The assets that they have under management, how much money a person has, that's a huge factor into consideration. The second objective item that they look at is their media mentions. I guess that comes down to their popularity, how much they are talked about in public um, sphere, on on TV, on in interviews, social media and whatnot. The third one being the amount of the population for people who are uh, the heads of state, you know, the size of the population that they are leading and are in charge of. And number four is the GDP, which also is also part of the factors that they take into consideration, the objective factors that they take into consideration when they are looking at women that are uh, leaders of the country or heads of state. And number five, they mentioned that if they happen to own companies, then they also look at the employee account if they're running a company. And there's a sixth option, which they said is the subjective one, which is basically each woman's impact uh, that they have. Now, for me personally, I believe that it's very difficult to kind of, you know, categorize people based on even based on the objective ones, because I'm someone who believes that it's the person that makes the position. The position does not make a person. So in the 2020 list, for example, they've got Angela Merkel, who sits at the top uh, at the top position at number one. She's the Chancellor of Germany, followed by Christine Lagarde at number two. She is currently the president of European Central Bank. Previously, she was managing the IMF. And at number three is Kamala Harris, who's currently the vice president of the US. Now, Kamala Harris, for example, her media mentions would have probably been the highest of all of them, everybody in the list, because in 2020, she would have been all over the media with the interest that the world had shown in the American elections and finding out whether it was going to be Donald Trump who was going to win the elections or whether it was going to be Joe Biden. So right up until January 2021, Kamala Harris would have been far more visible than anyone on that list, including, um, you know, far more visible than Oprah Winfrey, who has been a media tycoon for so long. But I want to hear from you as my listeners. Do you agree with the objective um, criteria that Forbes picks as well as the one subjective criteria that they pick? I'll just repeat these again. 
So the five objective criteria that they mentioned was money, media mentions, population, um, population being, you know, in cases where they are heads of states, the GDP also if they are a leader of a country, and the employee count, the, the number of people that they are managing if they happen to be somebody who is running a company. And number six was the subjective criteria that they look at, which is each woman's impact. So I'd like to hear from you because for me personally, regardless of who you are, at what position you are, for me, your popularity and your position does not trump your personality. In a lot of these cases, you know, of course, we we see the best of people in public. But what we don't see is how people are behind the scenes. For example, how are they, if, if they're leading a, a company, for example, how do we know what is the cu- culture of the company that they're running? How are they managing people? How is their relationship with people? How is their communication with the people that they are leading in that company? What is the opinion of the employees about that individual who is listed as one of the most powerful women I know of uh, Forbes magazine. And this is not applicable to the woman. This is applicable to the men. It's applicable to anybody who holds any position that is meant to be a um, a status of prestige in, in the public eye. So as my listeners, I would love to hear from you. What do you believe is important and whether you think that these criteria could be uh, perhaps tweaked a little bit or they are actually the correct criteria to pick when it comes to classifying somebody as a powerful person or as amongst the most powerful people in the world. You can always write to me on info at podyourheartout.com or visit www.podyourheartout.com and feel free to respond to any of the social media posts and pod your heart out. Thank you for listening. And until next time, I look forward to hearing from you.